We're rolling? Yeah. All right, then. <clears throat> All right! We're back! And it's episode 22 of Original Versus Cover with DJ Crystal Clear. Here in the most epic, as it should be, studios with my engineer, Dr. Paul Bertolino. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And uh, <clears throat> it's weird. The weather is weird. It's cold and it's rainy and it's damp. And it's Memorial Day weekend and everybody's mad because they wanted to go to the beach. Oh, well. So, here we go. Uh, song number one. You know, as I was writing all this out, Paul, I feel like I need to apologize to you ahead of time. <laughs> because I think it's going to be a lot of songs that you're going to hate. So. This is going to be the death of me, isn't it? <laughs> uh, close to it, yeah. Alright, so song number one is called Cruel Summer. And it was done by Bananarama. Everybody remember them, those three yes. chicks? Bananarima, as I called them in high school. Ban- <laughs> Bananarima? That's what I called them in high That's school. so... That's it's very it's very adolescent. It's, it's completely and and I was in high school, so I was post adolescent. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was so mature, yeah, so mature. Yeah. Yes, uh, they first released it as a single, a standalone single, in 1983 in the UK, and then it was so hot that they put it on their self-titled second album, Bananarama, in 1984 when it came out here, and it also appeared in the soundtrack to the movie The Karate. Well, sorry, let me, whoop, let me rephrase. It was in the movie The Karate Kid, but they did not allow it to be on the soundtrack. Ooh. Was it too suggestive? Because there were sexy ladies singing it? No, no. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Like, that's money they could have made. And it, oh, oh, the band didn't allow yeah, it to be. Yeah, the band oh, didn't God, allow okay, it. I miss, yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah, the band was like, no. Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah, that really doesn't make sense, because that's the kind of move a band makes when they've, you know, got too much artistic integrity for such a thing. But this is fucking Bananarama. <laughs> like, they should have been, you know, over the moon about this big like, opportunity. Yeah, why Why wouldn't you want that on there? It's very weird. So, yeah. yeah, and then the cover I have is by a band called June, J-O-O-N. And I just stumbled upon this cover, and I did a bunch of research, and I can't find out who they are or where they're from. Or what year this thing came out. So it's a mystery. Anybody out there in podcast land, if you know about June, J-O-O-N, the band, let me know. Because I don't know. I can't find it. So the original, I think that it was probably the first pop song in the 80s to feature a xylophone. Bananarima, they were innovators. Because I was really racking my brain to think of other songs that had a xylophone in it in the 80s, and I can't think of one. Um, it's a bippity-boppity, reggae-light, laid-back 4-4 thing that's easy to dance around to, where you can just, like, bippity-bop around. And it reeks of summer. Uh, the video, which I think lots of people remember. Do you remember the video? I do. So it was shot here in New York City in the summer, August of 1983. And... It was over 100 degrees and 100% humidity. I remember this heat wave. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible because it was up and down the East Coast. And where I was in Philadelphia at the time, it was equally disgusting. Uh, So the theme of the video is stupid because it's a loose take on the Dukes of Hazzard, which... Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, well, that was a popular show at the time, so it's like these bumbling cops 
the girls are in a truck stealing something, but you don't know what they're stealing. I don't know. And to get away from the cops, they threw bananas on his windshield. Remember that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one of the girls, so how do you pronounce her name? S-I-O-B-H-A-N. Siobhan? Sion? Saban? Something. Uh, the chick from Banana Rama, as, as she will henceforth be known. <laughs> I think I think she was the auburn-haired one. Um, it was just an excuse to get us to the fabled city of New York for the first time, she has said. She recalled the shoot conducted during a heat wave as a difficult experience. It was August, over 100 degrees. Our headquarters, our HQ, was a tavern under the Brooklyn Bridge, which had a ladies' room with a chipped mirror where we had to do our makeup and probably snort man, cocaine. Times were hard, man. A chipped right? mirror? Chipped mirror. Man, making do. <laughs> After an exhausting morning shooting in the city that brutal August heat, in that brutal August heat, the band returned to the tavern for lunch. They made the acquaintance of some local dock workers who, upon <laughs> learning of their situation, shared vials of cocaine with them. <laughs> that was our lunch, she said, who had never tried the drug before. And when you watch that video, we really looked tired and miserable in the scenes we shot before lunch. And then after lunch, all the shots are euphoric and manic. So I went back and watched this thing, and it is exactly... It's clear which shots they're on coke. Completely clear. (laughs) Yeah. At the the beginning, they're just... Because, you know, they're wearing those weird British coverall things and the t-shirts and their hair up with the things. Right, they're doing the Dexys Midnight Runners thing. Exactly. And they're just like, (laughs) they just look completely miserable and dragging around. And then afterwards, like, woohoo, they're jumping around like Mexican jumping beans. I remember that. I actually kind of remember that about the video, but it comes off like it's part of the story. Right. Because it progresses that way. It isn't like, they don't just rant, they're not just randomly energetic in some shots. It progresses. It progresses. Yeah, yeah. So, mystery solved. Yeah. So now we're going to listen to a little bit of each song and then pick which one is least offensive.
That is a no-brainer. Yeah. That's um, a no-brainer. Obviously, Bananarama wins that. So, as I said, I, I was looking around for at least 20 minutes online to find out who June is, and this is obviously a recent thing, because the way that it sounds, um, you know, techno-y... EDM, as the kids say, electronic right. dance music. Oh, those hip kids. And that voice. Vapid as it can get. It's like, it's almost robotic, but, you know. <laughs> yes. It's like, like, is that a 10 year old girl? It's very weird. It's yeah. whispery thin, and uh, sounds like an 8 year old girl from a foreign country, I think. So. Um, I think the word is. Sucks. That's yes, it. it sucks. So, yeah. who wins? I think we all lose. Well, not really. You know, I kind of like that Bananarama you, you song. You do? I, back when I was referring to them as Bananarama, yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> but but that is, a, that is a song that has actually benefited over time, uh, at least from a, a nostalgic sound point. Okay. Yeah, there's a little bit of nostalgia in it. And I think there's a bit of a, a, a trippy, ghostly times past kind of vibe to the sound yeah and i'm a sucker for that oh okay and uh yeah so i'm I'm pretty okay with that track now all right but you know i think something that really turned me around with this for the song it's really nothing to do with any of the things that i just said about it (laughs) but i used to work at the academy of art in san francisco and i was in front of a computer all day and i was i i pretty much exhausted the internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I found it was the, I found you? the I found the you end found of it. You found the end of it? I found oh, the end of it. I, I came to the very edge and I and I stood and looked down. <laughs> oh and, man. And uh, so a, a video <laughs> that I that I saw on YouTube. Wait. <laughs> I stood and looked down. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And uh <laughs> <laughs> So there was this video uh, that somebody put together using this Bananarama song as the soundtrack, but the footage was some Nordic death metal band, you know, oh, with God. you know, with black and yeah, black and white face makeup and all black leather and long, long spikes and yes. really thin black, long, and long hair, hair, you know, yeah, and. <laughs> And it's this really, this this kind of aged-looking black-and-white footage of them, you know, in the hills, you know, with snow and trying to look scary. <laughs> and it's just, it was cut in this way, and it's it was just fucking hilarious. There's no way, by the way, I warn you, there's nothing that I'm going to say is going to even begin to really describe it. it. It's definitely something you had to see, see. But it's this video of these death metal guys, you know, with their, <laughs> their King Diamond world. makeup on or whatever. Right. Trying to look tough and like menacing with this song playing, and it was cut to where their movements were really cut pretty funny. Oh man! And the title of the video was simply "They Hate Summer." (laughs) 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 And I would sit there at work and howl watching this. Oh man! And it vanished at some point. I cannot find it. It has been gone for years. It is. It fell off the face of the earth. Every once in a while, I look again to see if somebody put it back up, oh. but it is nowhere. Damn. They hate summer. They hate summer. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'd love to see that. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It's, 
yeah, you what you cannot describe it to to yeah give it. Its I wonder due. like what death metal band it was. In I real at life. some point was able to determine who it was, but I've long forgotten because it was no one I had heard of. What year was this? When I saw uh, mid the mid zero zeros at some mid, point. Okay, probably two thousand four or five. Damn, that's good. Wow. If anybody out there knows or has seen it, please let us know because yes. I really want to see it. Or if you were the one who created the video. Yes, please let us know. That's, damn, that's good. Okay. All right. Song number two is Money Changes Everything. And the original, do you know who did the original, Paul? It was not the one down in Coney Island. It was not. But I I say that as to say, I know that Cyndi Lauper didn't do the original, but I don't actually remember who did. The Brains. Okay did it from the album called the brains wow it came out in 1980 uh the single has quick with your lip on the flip side of it oh of course of course everybody knows that they are an atlanta power pop band that's how they're described with the power pop again uh to me they're a new wave band from atlanta and the cover was done by cindy laupa from her album She's So Unusual from 1984 and it was a pretty well it was well I'll get to it in a second um so in the original it's sort of a punk slow mid-tempo rock song uh the guy who's the leader of the band his name is Tom Gray is singing lead and this version sounds like it was recorded underwater in a cave I can't quite put my finger on why it sounds like that. Because it was 1980, and they were punk rock. Right, and they probably recorded it underwater in a garage. Yeah. Um, There is a weird, annoying, sawing violin in it. Oh. (laughs) Right, yeah, Yeah. this was the beginning of people starting to be really influenced by the Velvet Underground. Yes. So, boom. That's, yeah, and it's... Well, we'll hear it in a minute. Um... And nobody is credited when you when I looked up the credits on the song, nobody is credited for playing the violin. They have every other. Well, instrument. nobody wanted to take the credit. <laughs> nobody wanted their name associated. Every other instrument and person, no violin. And I was gobsmacked to find out that Steve Lillywhite produced this. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Because it is that is so not Steve Lillywhite. I mean, new wave, yeah, but I was just. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but despite what I think of it, apparently Billboard loved this album. So in May, th- May 3rd, in 1980, this is their review of it. Uh, this is a truly offbeat album which mixes 60s organ, dominated psychedelia, new wave heavy metal, and world wavy lyrics into an intoxicating brew. Tom Gray's passionate vocals have enough aural sprawl and power to make the lyrics credible. So apparently, the person who wrote Harry Potter wrote that review. Wow. Okay. Uh, aural sprawl. Uh, an aural sprawl. I guess we're going to find out, right? Intoxicating brew. I don't know about all that. And Tom, he wrote seven out of the ten songs on the album. Uh, the original single was re- released in 78 by the Brains as a 45 single on Grey Matter Records. Get it? Grey Matter? Yeah. Uh Yeah. <laughs> So the initial underground success led the Brains to being signed by Mercury, 
and they recorded the song under the guidance of Steve Lilly White uh, for that album, The Brains. Critic Grill Marcus, which old people like us will remember from Rolling Stone and yes. other places, uh, he listed it at number 10 of his real-life rock top 10 in 1979, said, Singer Tom Gray told his story in a strangled voice, as if he were trying to explain, but instead he laid a curse. This damn single ranks higher than I've placed it, but if it were anywhere else, I couldn't end with it, and there's no other way the decade could end. Marcus would later write of the song, It was hard, it hurt, and Cindy Lauper's version makes the original sound compromised. She makes you wonder if Brain's composer and singer Tom Gray even knew what he was talking about. Gray, later on with his band called Delta Moon, also recorded a version for their 2007 album called Clear Blue Flame. So now the cover by Cindy, Cindy Lauper. Um, it was released as the fifth single from her album, She's So Unusual. And it has been released in 27 different variations around the world. The most common being a two-track, seven-inch vinyl single with varying covers. There was also a less common 12-inch single. Uh, her cover features an appearance by Rob Hyman of the Hooters, who are from Philadelphia, who I know, um, playing his Hooter, which was the Honer Melodica, on the song Solo. And... Um, she recorded an acoustic version and, you know, did all this other stuff. But um, anyway, that album, did you ever buy that record? Oh, no. No, I did not. I was never, I, yeah, no. Not, okay. I'm not going to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so six singles were released from that album. And uh, it was the first, this one was the first, oh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun was the first on the Billboard Hot 100. Then it was Time After Time was a number one hit. Um, Shebop, which I couldn't believe was as big a hit as it was. And All Through the Night, peaking at the top five. So this makes Cyndi Lauper the first female singer to have four top five singles on the Hot 100 from one album. Wow. 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 Which, and you would have thought that would have been Carole King, but right? nope. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. And um, I saw... The tour. It was called the Fun Tour, which was between eighty three and eighty four. Of course, of it course. would have been. And uh, and it was tour. good. Um, you know, she's a really good entertainer. She's a really great singer. Yeah, she, she just. It was one of those things that came out at the wrong time for me because, just like Cruel Summer, this was just right at that moment when I embraced metal. And once I embraced metal, which you I was into for like a metal. year, <laughs> I embraced metal. <laughs> When I embraced the fucking metal dude for like about a, you know, a school year and a half, maybe two at most, I mean, my mind completely closed to everything else. Like, if it wasn't metal, it sucked. It's <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I stopped listening to the fucking Beatles when I was in the metal. What? Yeah. What? I mean, I wasn't didn't go so far as to say I didn't like them, but I don't think I listened to them at any point during that period. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't know that. You know, my my Kinks and my Monkeys, and my Who records like went to the back of the stack. What? Like, you know, it was it was metal or nothing. Damn. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so things like uh, Cindy Lauper were an affront to my musical sensibilities. <laughs> In a front, okay. Yeah, exactly. I took them personally. I took that shit personally. personally. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Uh, we're gonna listen to these back to back and then pick a winner.
<laughs> so, so that original. Yeah. Sounds like television trying to play Heroes by Bowie. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. That's exactly what I thought. Because that the beginning is in a... It's different than Cindy Lauper's. Like, it seems like hers is like up a key or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely had to change the key for her. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he just sounds like, oh. Yeah, he's doing the Tom Berlane thing. Miserable. You know. Yeah. So, uh, but I kind of like it because of nostalgia. It reminds me of bands that I saw back then. That were like that. When I was in college that were like that. And I, I wasn't into television at that time. I mean, I had listened to them, of course, and knew about them, but uh, I'm not a big television fan. Like, I, I listen to it and I get it, but I'm like, yeah, te- I'm not a, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, hers is better because it's actually produced. Right. <laughs> well, you know? yeah, I mean, those are two different sensibilities, too. I mean, clearly that band wasn't looking for an MTV hit. Not no. that there was an MTV at the time, but still... You know, yeah, again, they kind of thought they were the Velvet Underground and, and television, whereas Cindy Lauper was definitely yes going for uh, Team B magazine, you <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly, yeah. Um, I like it, but it's just not as good as Cindy Lauper, so there you go. Sorry, brains. You guys are not the brains of the outfit after all. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> all right! <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Song number three is Word Up. Oh, Oh, yeah. And uh, the original was done by Cameo. It came out in 1986. Like, what were you thinking? I don't know. I I just can't believe it was that long ago. Oh, well, shit, man. When did you think that came out in the 90s? No, but I just... Well, actually, I thought it was earlier than that. Yeah, I, I would have thought 83 I thought it was or something. Or 84. Yeah. So, yeah, 86. So weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Whenever, I, all I can think of is the Cherry Coke commercial when I, right? when I think of that song. <laughs> yeah. Cherry Coke's the word. Word up. <laughs> cherry Coke, yeah. Oh, Cherry Coke. Jeez Louise. Um, and the album was called, it was from the album, Word Up, mm-hmm. from 1986. And I have two covers the first one is by willis <laughs> go ahead and say <laughs> and the other ones the other ones by arnold <laughs> <laughs> you knew it you knew it was coming <laughs> I, I just uh, had to sit when and willis and arnold it. did their separate solo albums yes. and released them on the same day yes exactly um <laughs> yeah so willis i heard this on a compilation called Rewind! Exclamation point. Volume 4. Four original classics revisited, re-recorded, rewound Volume 4. That's where I first heard it. And I heard it in the early aughts. So like 2004, 2005, that's when I heard it. Um, and then the second cover is by Korn. K-O-R-N. Oh, Korn. shit. Yes. You know... And it's from their... Greatest Hits, Volume 1. Oh, that's that's presumptuous. <laughs> that came out in 2000. <laughs> volume 1. What? It came out in 2004. Okay. So the original, as I said, I uh, it's from Word Up, uh, Cameo's first United States Top 40 hit, uh, peaking at number 6 on the Hot 100, 
spent three weeks at number one on the R&B chart and a week on number one on the Hot Dance Singles chart. Hot Dance Singles. Uh, it was a big success in the UK, and it won uh, Soul Train Music Award for Best R&B Soul Single, as well as the New Music uh, Express Award for Best Dance Record. Uh, you know... It was being blasted out of every car stereo, everybody's boombox, cherry coke commercial, like you said, <laughs> like you couldn't get away from it. And then people should remember Larry Blackman, the lead singer, with his high top fade and the red cod piece. Yeah, I was going to say cod piece. The sale of cod sales of cod pieces skyrocketed. I can't talk. <laughs> I didn't have. Usually, I have coffee before we do this. Oh, I didn't, didn't do that coffee? today. I'm just drinking water. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So for people who don't know this, and since uh, Anchor shows me where our listeners are, and a lot of them are in foreign countries, so they may not know this colloquialism, even though it's 45 years old. Uh, Word Up was a colloquialism popular here in New York City and other U.S. urban areas that acted as an affirmation of what was said, a kind of more hip, you bet, <laughs> and how? And how? I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> oh gosh! Larry Blackman said of the song, "It just sounded good, and it was before its time. You can play Word Up any place, anywhere, and someone is going to be grooving and bobbing their head. Our sound was unique as well. I haven't heard another one like it, and we probably won't hear another one like it in the future. It was that significant for us." Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is that I remember when that came out, I remember thinking, oh, I remember these guys. These guys are like from the, this was this is an old 70s band, and now they have a new single. And really, when I think about it, that's the only song I know from them. I mean, I was aware of them in the 70s, 70s. as a 70s band, but then I realized I don't actually know, know any songs anything. from that period. I don't know names of albums. I don't know nothing. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. It was like they did stuff but nobody played them and they didn't appear anywhere yeah, yeah. and then all they of just a sudden, kind of existed out on the fringe until suddenly yep. someone bought himself a red cod piece and <laughs> cut his hair word went right up word went right up yeah he used to wear a black skin tight long-sleeved shirt and then black leggings and then the red cod piece yeah it was quite a look. And uh well and he's he originated the kid and play hairdo. Yeah. Didn't I mean, who had it before him? Uh that exaggerated? Nobody that I can remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure, little like flat top haircuts, that's one thing. Yeah. But I mean like but Dudes that. had high top fades, but not like that. That yeah. was crazy. Uh all right, so the first cover by Korn from their greatest hits volume one i didn't bother to look to see if there was a volume two because i can't they put out enough music for i don't okay let yeah. me stop being judgmental bitch um it's a compilation album released by this new metal nu metal band corn in october 2004 uh that album has select tracks from their first oh six studio albums the first six wow presented in a reverse chronological order because you're going to do things backwards because you're cool. Um, and they, have <laughs> they, they do things backwards like their ball caps. Exactly. And the letter N in, the, in their logo is backwards, I believe. Right. Uh, there are two previously unreleased songs 
on the compilation a cover of this cameo's word up and uh, they also did and i'm going to save this for later they did a cover of another brick in the wall (laughs) and goodbye cruel world um yeah so it pretty much sounds exactly as you would expect a corn song to sound it follows the arrangement except for the middle where they rock out because cameo it's it's synthesizers and these guys it's all guitars it's super compressed it's very slick and i think that it's another instance of that was a song that they goofed around with during rehearsals and then decided to record right. it because not as a joke but it's like oh yeah we'll we crush it mm. so um <clears throat> willis now i thought that it was a band when i heard it on this compilation thing but it's a woman it is a British woman. She, uh, her stage name is Haley Willis, and she is known for this cover of Word Up, and um, for Fiat played it during the 2012 Super Bowl. So I don't know about that. That's very weird. Um, and she does some other covers on this album uh, called Smokescreen. Uh, she covers Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, uh, or I'm sorry, she does not. These are other songs on the album. That's right. Yeah, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings covered her. Uh, yeah, so Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings cover "This Land Is Your Land." Have you ever heard that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Nostalgia '77 did Seven Nation Army," and then Oregon did "Funky Nassau." So it's from 2011. So she says, uh, "What began as a funny little musical experiment transferred into my most requested track." I decided to record a cover version of an EP and look through my record collection and fell upon this. And she did it. So we're going to listen to these three and then choose something.
your fly Well, there's got to be a reason You know the reason You try to put on those airs You act real cool You got to realize that you are acting like fools If there's music, we can't use it We need to dance We don't have the time for psychological romance No romance, no romance, no for me, well, well, come on, baby, tell me what is your word, a word everybody say, when you hear the call, you got to get in on the way, word up, well, it's the cool word, no matter where you say it, you know that you'll be All right. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Let me guess. Was she playing a ukulele? No ukulele. Pook. Wow. Quirky. I will say this. That I like it because it's completely different from the original. Yeah, but, you know, we talked about this before. Yes. <laughs> completely different isn't always good. True. It's it not. Could be, it could be completely different and good. Yeah. I would prefer it to be better, but it really struck me the first time I heard it because I didn't, it took me, you know, 30 seconds to recognize that, the riff, but... But also the thing about this is that she's not doing, she's doing something completely, she's doing something different from the original version, but she's not doing anything different. I'm like, she's just turning it into this cookie cutter shit that all the female artists are doing right now. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, okay. Yeah. It's kind of like the me first and the gimme gimme's out there, you know, doing doing the pop punk version of Mandy. It's like, okay, got okay, it, got, it, got yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. And corn? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the less said about them, the better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Word Up by Cameo is yet another thing that I was not into at the time. But, uh, you know, time's been fairly kind to that track, and I take that a thousand times over to those horrible covers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't touch it. You can't touch that. Well, that, that's for later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's another one. It's, uh, yeah, it's a classic. It's an 80s classic. Everybody loves it. I played at DJ gigs. Everybody can sing it. They all know yeah. the lyrics. 80-year-old white people, little kids. Everybody knows it. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of interesting, but not surprising that they pretty much disappeared after this wave crash. Yeah. Well, like we were saying, you know, they'd had that whole earlier period in the 70s yeah. where they hadn't put out anything that was really particularly big or, you know, garnered any anything. hits or anything. But then they finally had this huge breakthrough, and then they vanished. Disappeared. You know, kind of like Twisted Sister. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a really weird kind of phenomenon when bands like this, especially if they were around for 10, 15, 20 years prior, and then they're a one-hit wonder, and then they completely disappear. But it's like, okay, you wrote this a huge, amazing hit, you can't figure out how to keep doing that on some level? Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know anything about their history. Did they even make a follow-up album? Did they, but it just wasn't a hit? I think they did, but it just, you know, yeah. 
because I, I remember seeing them after this wave crashed, they were still performing on TV shows and whatnot and doing some other songs. And obviously they didn't mean anything because I can't tell you what they were. All right. Well, that's the thing about Word Up is that it unfortunately has a little bit of a novelty hit vibe. Oh, yeah. So bands who have a hit with that type of a track, it's almost impossible to, to have any kind of longevity after that. Yeah. That's kind of it's kind of like that's that's your thing, you know. Like the dude who did Junk Food Junkie was not going to fucking have a follow up hit. It just you know. <laughs> junk Food Junkie. <laughs> you know? Oh my god, Junk Food Junkie. Shut yeah. up. I mean, he had to have known going in that this was his big moment, and that was that. That was that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I, yeah. That's very specific. Total novelty. But even still, like you guys figured out the formula. It doesn't have to be this hooky and this whatever, but you got the instrumentation down, you know the vibe of what the kids are listening to. Like, you can't write other songs that could ride the wave of that song. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm not a songwriter for good reason. Right. Well, the thing is, is that when people do that thing where they go, oh, we had a hit with this thing, let's, so let's do, let's do that song again but slightly different that never that almost works. never works yeah. and you you have to have this thing where you're able to put out something that's different that still connects with people yeah and it's hard to do you know so few do you know yeah that's true it's a bummer because i you know it's it's a bummer oh well sorry larry now we got to find out where they're at i don't even know it's like they just disappeared off the face of the earth and have never seen them in any like Remember the 80s? Like, I've never seen right. any follow-up tours, you know, nostalgia tours. Nothing. Like, <laughs> bupkis. Oh, well. All right. Here's song number four, and it is called I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who did the original on that one? Uh, some dude from Minneapolis. Little dude. Little oh, guy. Paul Westerberg. Yes. Done by The Replacements? No. Obviously, it was done by Prince. It's from Sign of the Times that came out in 1987. The album that turned off so many people. Turned off? Turned off. People got turned off after people Sign of the Times. See, I, was in, I was in my own little Prince bubble. That was like a peak moment for me. I, I, who, how so could you get... many people I know hated it. Really? I mean, hated it. They were huge Prince fans until that album came out. And they were like, what is... I'm not I'm not How shitting the fuck? you. What planet are they on? Because these are people who I need Purple Rain 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Well, then know? they were already off that shit because, I mean, Around the World in a Day? Come well, on. here's the thing. They skipped Around the World in a Day, right? <laughs> and kind of like put it on the side and just kept listening to, uh, to Purple Rain. It did come out kind of soon afterwards, so it was easy to kind of miss it, It was I like think. a week later, it felt like, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Yeah, they just kind of sort of ignored it, and, you know, Raspberry Beret, they wrote that. Right, and Pop Life, everybody liked that. And Pop Life. And then this comes out, and then they're like, what is, it's too, what is it? It's two well, records. Well, there was Parade, then. too, that came out yes. in between, and that had Kiss on it. Yes. So they wrote on these singles, and then this thing comes out, and just... Oh, uh, well, then, sounds to me like it didn't turn off any actual fans. It turned off just people who... Yeah, Fairweather fans. Yeah, yeah. But I got into actual, almost like, fist-to-cuffs with people over why they should love this, and it's so fucking amazing. Like, what is wrong with you? 
What? Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. So this has one, two, three, four covers. Oh, uh, are we playing all four of them? <laughs> yeah, we're oh, playing shit. all four. Okay, this is gonna be an hour and a half episode, guys. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So the first cover was by the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, that came out on their 1990 album "Hold Me Up." Now the vocals are not sung by the band singer. They're sung by this other guy named Lance Diamond, this black guy from Buffalo who's a famous musician singer up there, and he would record the album, record with them, and play with them live all over Buffalo. And he, I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, the second cover was done by Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block. Oh, shit. It came out from his self-titled solo album in 1999. The third cover is by Sig Sig Sputnik. Ooh, <laughs> And they man. came out on their EP. <laughs> this is a de-evolution here. <laughs> and it's this is chronological order, too. Uh, 2007 EP called Ray of Light. And then uh, the last one is by a Randy Kaplan... From his album called Ancient Ruins that came out in 2008. People were covering this in 2008. All right. Now, there are other covers that I did not get to. Thankfully. Flesh for Lulu covered this. The Fruit Bats. My Morning Jacket. (laughs) Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Gene Ween. And The Replacements also covered. Oh, I think I knew about The Replacements. Uh... Uh, yeah, cover. I've 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 heard it, but I did not include it. So, the original, everybody should know, uh, was the last single from that double album. Um, the B side to it is "Hot Thing." Um, so this song is uh, "Never Take the Place of Your Man." It's an upbeat pop number. It's got live drumming and two drum machines and guitar solo it slows down it's bluesy it's two verses two choruses a long coda um you know prince is singing to this chick uh who's he's telling her like i can't take the place of the guy who just broke your heart basically after one you won't be set i just want to fuck you i just want to have a one night stand you're not going to be satisfied so um the music video everybody should remember because it was all over mtv all the time um, that helped push the song to the top ten here in the United States. And um, it's got the horn section with Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss in it. Uh, the live version and the video <clears throat> has the horn solo in the coda. And it lifts part of Camille and Hard Rock in a Funky Place in there. So the covers. The Goo Goo Dolls. It's the exact same arrangement except it's all guitars and drums, and it's faster. Diamond, this black guy, okay, so he had this band in Buffalo, New York, the 24 Carat Diamond Band. They were a cover band. They did classic rocks and... Classic rocks. <laughs> <laughs> they had classic rocks and, in their heads. And I don't drink coffee. Um, and disco-era songs. He often called himself the Love Doctor. Getting the name from his radio show, Saturday Night Fever, which he hosted Saturday evenings on 96.1 WJYE, which is now WMSK, featuring all love music. So he did a show in Vegas and yada yada. So he played with the Goo Goo Dolls live 
as well uh, as some some other songs. And so there's this cover, My Girl, Do You Believe, Bitch, and uh, some other stuff. So that's why it's not the original Goo Goo Dolls singer, whose name I can't even remember. Jordan Knight, his cover is like a quiet storm, super slow jam. Um, I don't think it's that great, but I also don't think it's that terrible. And I'm kind of surprised that Prince did not record it the way that he did it. So we'll hear that in a minute. It follows the exact same arrangement, whatever. But it sounds like your standard 1999 R&B kind of thing. And then Sig Sig Sputnik. Now, if you know about that band, you know what you're in for. But you're going to be surprised when you hear this. So for those who don't know them, they were a British new wave band formed in 1982 by former Gen X bassist Tony James. And they had uh, the hit singles uh, Love Missile F111 and 21st Century Boy. And they were glam rock and New York Dolls-ish and 80s. Like, they were pre-electronic in a lot of ways. For, you know, 1982, they were doing stuff that didn't happen until later. Um, And Martin Dagville is the lead singer who had a crazy mohawk and looked like a weirdo. Um, their first gig was in Paris and they supported Johnny Thunders, which I find interesting. Anyway, it's slow in the beginning and it's kind of weird and the vocal is whispered and drum machines and it's kind of cool. And then Randy Kaplan, also known as Randall Lee Kaplan, is an American songwriter, a playwright, and a performer. Uh, he gained his famous self for his not just for kids music in the mid-aughts he was here from brooklyn and later went nationwide now if you have children you would probably know not just for kids music so he's one of these people who would take adult songs and then do like a kids version and get kids to sing along kind of thing um kind of annoying but anyway he lived in la in the early 90s so he got there just as i left Whew. Um, he used to play the Troubadour, the Whiskey, and the Roxy, and um, played with other weirdo bands like the Mother Hips and Don Byrne and stuff like that. And then he came back here to the city. He lived in the Lower East Side. He played at Sin E and the Living Room and the Bottom Line and released a CD in 97 called Boyish Hips. And <sighs> yeah, you'll listen to it. Um, so it's, it's very country. Uh, he's an American Roots type of guy, and it's kind of sickeningly sweet, and um, same arrangement, but it has mandolin, 55 acoustic guitars, and a piano. So, now we're going to listen, and then declare Prince the winner at the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
seconds of that last we're one. back all right we're back okay so uh <laughs> <laughs> you did a difficult decision to make here <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to some soul searching is gonna have to take place so let me say first let me tell the people that the randy kaplan version you lasted 18 seconds <laughs> yeah well and except when i edited this fucking episode i had to listen to an listen entire to minute of it so yeah sorry um so obviously prince wins uh yeah yes but i will say like i said before uh that kid from whatchamacallit jordan knight uh, who what is it new kids on the block i can't keep them straight I kind of like it. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's great. I'm yeah, not, I mean, that's It's fine. not great. Yeah. But for a boy band kid who, because he was in that band, like, how often was were his vocals featured? I don't really know. Like, I'd have to talk to somebody younger who actually loved that band and say, who sang the most and who had the best voice? Because I definitely don't know. Well, yeah. Did they trade lead vocals? Did they did they all get songs on the album? They did, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe later on, some of them actually wrote some of the songs on those things. And, yeah. and I know that because this solo album that he put out, he did have like a a decent sized hit. 
it was kind of like a hip-hop-ish thing with a marching band. <clears throat> I can't remember. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, it was actually not that bad. But um, I kind of like it because I like that it's super slow and slow jammy. And I am kind of surprised that Prince didn't record a version like that. But maybe it's in one of those vaults. He probably yeah, there probably is. An, he probably has eight arrangements of it. Uh, yeah, but I kind of like it. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's great. But I kind of like it. Out of all that, it's yeah. well. You know what though? There is an alternate version on that super deluxe sign of the times that came out. Oh, because that wasn't that. That's an early song. There's a, there's a 1979 version of that. 79? Yeah. Oh shit. And if you think about think about the the the, the vibe of that song, mm. you could you could totally imagine that being on like Dirty Mind or something. Yeah. Or right yeah. after When You Were Mine or something. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's that sort of vibe. Yeah. There's a 79 Prince version of that. Oh. And uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that song, and maybe it's because of it's an earlier song of his. But there are certain tracks on that album that that one in particular I don't I can't imagine how it would alienate a Purple Rain fan I mean that's yeah I don't consider that really at all far off from that stuff I don't think so either I think it just threw people off the whole thing and then like the videos uh, but it's like well what do you expect as Prince like what do you think yeah people are dumb so uh so yeah and that Randy Kaplan (laughs) <laughs> what is up with that voice? Like, what? What? That's terrible. It's called sucking people. I mean... Sucking. Can you imagine... Well, I could imagine him at the bottom line. I actually can. All right, so now we got song number five, and it is called Another Saturday Night, parentheses, and I Ain't Got Nobody, or something like that. Um, the original was done by Sam Cooke from his album Ain't That Good News in 1963. And the one cover I have is by Cat Stevens, and it was released as a single in 1974. And there are other versions that I did not get into here. Sam and Dave did a cover of this, as well as Jimmy Buffett did in 1993. I definitely don't want to hear that. So, the original was a song written by Sam Cooke while touring in England while staying in a hotel room where no female guests were allowed. Because it was 1960-something. It reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was number 1 on the R&B chart single for a week. And in the UK, it peaked at 23 on their singles chart. Um, And in Sam Cooke's version, he does this spoken recitation, which is done during the instrumental break in the middle. And do you know who played drums on this, Paul? On the Sam Cooke record? Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be Herb Alpert? Nope. You're kind of close, though. Because uh, well, Herb, Herb was working with Sam Cooke. Yeah. It was none other than Hal Blaine. Oh, Hal, oh well, Hal Blaine. Okay, well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> duh. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I thought it was going to be somebody you wouldn't expect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hal Dave Blaine, Roll. of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> other musicians on that record include John Anderson on the trumpet, John Ewing on trombone. Oh, Jewel pre Grant. yes, John Anderson. Yep, pre <laughs> yes, John Anderson. <laughs> Jewel Grant on sax, Ray Johnson on piano, Clifton White and Renee Hall on guitar, and Clifford Hills on the bass. And then uh, there's the Cat Stevens cover, 
which I don't know who his band was. And it was the exact same arrangement, but with a lot less swing. It featured an electric organ, possibly a B3, and a trumpet. And it had a weird mariachi-style thing in the middle during the break. And, uh, yeah. So we're going to listen to these and then, you know. Another sad night that I ain't got nobody. I got some money cause I just got paid. I had someone to talk to I'm in an awful way Dig this I got in town a month ago I seen a lot of girls assisting If I could meet them, I could get them But as yet I haven't met them That's why I'm in the shape I'm in Here another Saturday night And I ain't got nobody I got some money cause I just got paid I had someone to talk to I'm in an awful way Another fella told me He had a sister who looked just fine Instead of being my deliverance She had a strange resemblance to a cat named Frankenstein <laughs> do you do you like the Cat Stevens I cover? I fucking hate, hate it. it. Right? I mean, Sam Cooke takes this in on the same level that Prince takes the last one. Yeah. I mean, it's not even... Not even anything. Yeah. And I like Cat Stevens. I'm okay with Cat Stevens, but I hate that this track. Cover. Hate it. Yeah, it, uh... <sighs> Where do we begin with what's wrong with it? Um, I it just it's just it's not, just awful. I don't just, I don't like anything about you know I don't like that the, that Jimmy Smith organ on it you know yeah. and I don't like the and the mariachi break the mariachi what is break that? and I and I hate the way his voice sounds on it the way I hate the way his voice sounds singing that song yeah it's no good all right so that ends that Sam Cooke wins obviously and <laughs> that, then, was, that was a short and sweet one <laughs> Bing Bing Bing. And uh, song number six, the first cut is the deepest. <laughs> and the original was done by a P.P. P. Arnold in 1967, in May of 1967. And then there are three covers of this. The first cover is done by Cat Stevens from his album New Masters in December of 1967. And then Marsha Griffiths from her album Play Me Sweet and Nice from 1974. And then Rod Stewart from 1977. Now, there are other versions of this that I did not get into. Keith Hampshire in 1973. Sheryl Crow in 2003. Dawn Penn in 1994. Um, yeah. You know who Dawn Penn is? Uh... No, brother of Sean. Nah. No, no, she's a <laughs> or sister. I'm sorry, D A W N. Okay, not D O N. Not D O N. No, she's a, a reggae artist. And okay, you hate reggae, so you, I hate reggae. So yeah, um, <laughs> she did a really famous song. No, no, no. Do do boom. Do 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 boom. Do do do. 
I'm going to stop. I think I, I know. I think I, that sounds familiar. You've Let heard. me guess. It started out. <laughs> yeah. Was Surprise. It? Yeah. Maybe I've heard it then. I mean, you, you probably heard it. Uh, yeah. So the original, which a lot of people don't know who P.P. Arnold is or ever heard of her. It's a her. It's a woman, by the way. Um, she had the first hit with it. It reached number 18 on the U.K. singles chart. She was an American who defected to England. Um, and her version came out in May of 67, well ahead of Cat Stevens. Uh, it is very British pop from 1967. You've heard this? I haven't heard her version. I was aware of it, but I don't think I've heard it. Okay. Um, it sounds like Phil Spector produced it, but he didn't. And it starts, it's loud and quiet and stops, starts, and it chugs along and harpsichord and strings and shit and horn section. Yeah, it's everything. And it was featured in some film called... The Seven Psychopaths in 2012, which I never saw. So the Cat Stevens cover, it opens with an acoustic guitar, soft echoed vocal, then the full band kicks in with a lead electric guitar and this weird... I can't remember when you... Well, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. You've heard this before, right? The Cat Stevens one? Yeah. Y- yeah, I have. I don't remember it that well. I th- I'm pretty sure I have the record, Okay. but it's not a record that I'm that... Uh, familiar with. with okay well when we hear it i'm going to ask you a specific question um so it's got piano and drums and bass and strings and a loud tambourine which is like right on the mic i don't know why it's louder than everything else and his vocal was kind of weird whatever um marcia griffiths she's another reggae artist a ska artist she did this really cool rock steady version of it and it follows the arrangement but it's up tempo reggae so it's got the up strum and then the drums on the rim and the fills and the hits and all the things you hate about <laughs> reggae and all those things that make those songs so different <laughs> so from one different another so different from one another yeah, yeah. the bouncy bass and the horns and then Rod Stewart everybody knows about this uh, he recorded it at Muscle Shoals in Sheffield Alabama and he obviously did not get into a car with Rick, because he is still alive. Yes. Um, and it came from uh, his album, Night, A Night on the Town, in 76. And uh, it was a big hit. Um, and he changed a lyric in it. He took out the part that says, but when it comes to being loved, she's first. <laughs> and well, you know, Rod has his priorities. He's got his priorities. And also, the beginning of the song, it's this weird harp yeah. instrumental thing in the beginning for like 21 seconds, and you're wondering, what is happening? Yes. And then an acoustic guitar comes in and plays the melody, and then it's his voice and everything. So we're going to listen to it and then pick a winner. I would have given you all of my heart, but then
So that P.P. Arnold, I heard that song a long, long time ago, and I thought it was Darlene Love. Oh, yeah. With Phil Spector producing it. Right. And then found out it was not. Yeah, that is... Quintessential. That is quintessential 1967. It doesn't... It don't get Mo 1967. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I love her vocal. It's the whole thing. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I probably would give it to that version. Um... You know, I like the Rod Stewart version, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think there are really any bad versions. Like, any, none of those versions are bad. What? 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 Marsha Griffiths? You're good with that? That 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 last one? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like it sounds like a 60s track. Oh, all right. Okay. I All right. I mean, it was... I mean, it was exactly what you said. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does it open with a drum fill? Does it do this? Yeah, it does all that. But yeah. yeah, but I don't know. It had it. It came, thing, it came out in seventy-four. My my thing about reggae is I think I'm not really exposed. Haven't been really exposed to a lot of it, and uh, I think I mainly have uh, formed my opinion based on probably a lot of, you know, the basic frat boy fucking oh yeah shit, you know, like hearing. Peter Tosh and Bob Marley and stuff. But really, there's a lot of that 60s stuff 
that it just yeah it just has a, a 60s sound to it and it's well this came out in 74 oh well okay well they were behind the times it's a whole <laughs> they were yeah. they were they were lagging but still <laughs> it, it that sounds like a 70s or 60s track yeah it's good I it, like it, it a has a northern soul sound to, to yeah. it to me that's what i would think it was i wouldn't even think that was reggae yeah because she changes the cadence a little bit too and uh i really like it i like it a lot I really love the Rod Stewart. The only one who's a clunker here for me is Cat Stevens. Oh, yeah, you know, that's not a great version, but I mean... It's okay. I'm not saying it's terrible. But out of all of that, he'd yeah. be dead last for me. Yeah. I'd say P.P. Arnold wins, and then comes Martha, Marsha, and then comes Rod. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, well, that is it for episode number 20 what Two? are we 22 yes episode 22 original versus cover that's a lot of stuff and everybody please pray for paul for when he edits this <laughs> when he edits this and puts it together he's going to be cursing me and burning me in effigy so we'll see you next time for episode 23 of original versus cover and uh you know have a good time and happy motoring everybody